that the uh, we're not going to be passing the plates for offering. We have drop boxes uh, around the doors as you leave. You can just drop off your tithe or offering, or you can continue can continue to give online if that's what you've been doing. But uh, I want to open us, open us up in a word of prayer, and then I'll turn it over to the praise team. So will you join me in prayer? Father, today today we love you, and uh, we just come before you now to worship you, to honor you, um, to invite you into our our lives and, and in our world. And Father, we just say have your way. Um, this life so many times we make about us and help us to make it about you and put you first in our lives. Help us to worship you not only in word but in deed and in action and in truth. Father, help us to be loved to our neighbors and love to our community and to show this world the love that you showed us through Jesus Christ, your Son. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay. Hey, there we go. All right. I will invite you guys to stand with us, which you already are, as we sing uh, this morning. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Let's uh, worship together this morning. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my
worship. Say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts and in the remainder of this service, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for worshiping. You can be seated. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, last week we started a new series called The Church Defined, and I really felt led to go into a series like this because our lives have been crazy over the past couple of months, not only personally for all of us, but as a church, you know, we've kind of wondered what do we do, who are we, how do we respond, and so many times what happens to us in this world will cause us to make up our own assumptions or definitions about the church and really there's one definition and it's in God's word and so I felt like we needed to sort of refocus on what the church is last week we talked about four components of the church and if you don't have any one of these components you really don't don't have the church first of all the church is built upon a person and that's Jesus Christ and without him there's nothing everything else is sort of built upon upon him upon our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ and then the church is about people and that includes people that have placed their faith in Jesus and, and have followed Jesus and have pledged their lives to him and have sought forgiveness in him and grace. Uh, then there's the plan that Jesus gave to go into all the world, to the ends of the earth, remember, um, and, and be witnesses of me, to be witnesses of Jesus. And that's a big task. That's a big plan. Well, how do we do that? We do that through God's power, through his Holy Spirit. And so those are the four components of the church. I want to talk to you today about conviction. Uh, what are the convictions of the church? Uh, what did they feel strongly about? What were, they, what were they passionate about? What guided them? And so I'll, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 1, and we'll read this together. Acts chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem, from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all of his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Ekadama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. And... May another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. 
verse 23. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Well, um, we have a lot to talk about, and I'll do it quickly. But before that, I want to pray. Okay, so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Um, and we thank you for the blessing of being able to come together and worship you and to read your word aloud. Father, may your spirit uh, lead us and guide us and speak to us today um, as we've just read and as we begin to, to learn from this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. Um, what are your convictions? We're going to talk about the convictions of the early church this morning. What are your convictions? What do you see as important? It's okay for us to have convictions, and we're all different, so all of us do have different convictions, and it's okay to have many different convictions, um, but what we need to understand is there are some fundamental, foundational convictions that, as a Christian and as a church, that we absolutely need to have, and I want to share with you three of those today, and these aren't the only convictions. These are the ones that are present in this section of Scripture that we read as we go through Acts and as we learn more about the early church, some things will be uh, apparent to you. Uh, but I want to talk to you about three today. First one is this. They were persistent in prayer. They were persistent in prayer. Look at verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I'll say, so let's backtrack just a little bit. So uh, Jesus was crucified. He was resurrected on the third day. He spent 40 days appearing and talking to people. He does some ministry. He talks to all kinds of different people. And he gives his disciples this big plan, this, this big, huge plan to go into all the world and make disciples. And, and then what does he do? He leaves. He leaves, right? Yeah. How do you think they felt? Confused, maybe? Um, worried, doubtful, anxious, restless, afraid? You know, many times we have felt that way over the past couple of months those exact same emotions that they would have felt we have all felt recently when when a problem arose when uncertainty arose when a difficult situation arose i want to ask you this what did they do what did they turn to they turned to prayer they turned to prayer they joined together in prayer as we go through acts you're going to see that the church is known for some things there's going to be different things that the church is known for. And one of those things is prayer. It says here that they join together constantly in prayer. You know, God's word is pretty consistent about prayer and, and praying at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 tells us to pray continually. Ephesians 6.18 says pray at all times on all occasions. You know, all throughout God's word, it's consistent. 
God is trying to tell us something. You know, you need to be praying all the time. Look, the church is to be people of prayer. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for our prayer team. Um, but overall, you know, if we were to go out in our community and ask people and talk to people, would, would we be known as a church that prays? Is that us? Is that you individually? You know, we can say that we want Community Heights to be a church of prayer, but we don't have that without you individually, right? If, if your faith was based upon or determined by your prayer life, what would be said of your, your faith? It's pretty challenging when we look at this here. And we see that even though they're experiencing some crazy, wild emotions, they joined, joined together in prayer. So a core conviction of those in the early church was that they were persistent in prayer. Second conviction of the early church that I want to share with you is this. They were guided by God's word. They were guided by God's word. What are you guided by? Maybe, I, I would say all of us are, are guided by our emotions to some degree. You know, you, you feel a certain way and then you respond a certain way based on how you feel. Maybe, maybe the latest trends, you know, what's popular at the time, maybe that's what, that's what guides you. Maybe self-interest. Who or what dictates what you do, right? Guys, for the early church, it was the Word of God. It was the Word of God. You know, they had a Bible, too. They had one of these two. Um, they had the Old Testament scriptures that many of them would have memorized the first five books uh, of that. And they also had the, the verbal words of, of Jesus. They had a Bible, too. Um, there's two things that I want to share with you in how they were guided by God's Word. These are not on the screen. Um, I just wanted to share them with you, and they're very important. First off is they viewed Scripture as authoritative. Okay, um, they viewed scripture as as authoritative, meaning having authority. What I mean by that is they saw it as they saw this right here, God's word, as so important, as so real that they uh, they gave it authority over their lives. The the Bible, look, the Bible was more than a book to them. It was more than just words on paper. It was the words of God. Um, let me show you this in, in verse 16. This is Peter speaking. Watch what he says. Brothers and sisters, the scripture, their Bible, the scripture had, had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. You see, I mentioned this last week, but the Holy Spirit wasn't a new thing to them. <laughs> Right, the the spirit just didn't appear and, and was born on Pentecost. Th they believed that the scriptures were inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, and because of that, that's what made made this authoritative to them. They had this high view of scripture, and, and it was a conviction that they had. It was the actual words of God. So, because of that, what did it do? This carried weight. It carried weight to them, and it started there for them. It started there. They viewed Scripture as having authority, and because of that, 
Here's the second thing I want to share with you. They allowed it, the scriptures, to guide their lives. They allowed it to influence them. Let me show you this in verse 20. For for, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Look at verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. I want you to look at that phrase. Therefore, it is necessary. Why? Why is it necessary? Because of their conviction. They had a conviction that the word of God was the word of God. And because of that, they allowed it to guide them. You see that? Let me ask you this. Do we feel that way about this? Do we feel that way? Have we somehow lost that conviction along the way? You know, um, there's so much going on in our world right now. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. Uh, it seems like there's a whole lot going on in our nation, specifically. There's so many alarming things taking place, so much negativity, so much emotion. Every minute, it seems like there's chaos, right? Um, people are, are very adamant about the Constitution of the United States, about their individual rights, about protecting the Constitution, about preserving it, about abiding by it, right? And while that, that is all true, while that's so true, and I'm thankful that we live where we do live, while that's true, we would do well to give God's Word the same amount of attention, the same amount of respect. You know, before the Constitution was written on paper, the Lord wrote His Constitution in stone. Okay? The, the solutions to everything, every problem, the answer to all of our problems are written here. Here. In, in it, we read this, we read this. Seek justice. Man, people are all about that right now, right? Right? And we should. But you know what it says in the very next word, two words? Love mercy. Seek justice, love mercy. And then you, it says this, walk humbly with your God. How many, how many people need to hear that today? We read this, do unto others the way you would have them do unto you. We read the greatest command in all the Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And, and there's another one like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hinge all of the Old Testament law. You can't separate, you, you cannot separate the two according to Jesus. You can't love the Lord your God with all your, your strength without loving your neighbor as yourself, in other words. You see, it's all here. It's all here. See, in reality, God's word is the best thing for us. Sure, we probably need some laws change. We need, maybe we need some different regulations. Maybe we need to do some things differently. We all could agree upon that, right? It's just a band-aid. 
the answer, the solution to the problems in our lives and in this world is written here. And, and look, if we just took it seriously, our lives, your lives, and our world would be so much better. It would. The word of God is a guide for us, and we need to, we need to respect it. We need to honor it. We need to uphold it. And listen, we need to, a big, big word, we need to allow it to guide us. Allow it. Here's the thing. It's going to be very challenging. We can, we can say we respect the Bible. We can say that we believe in the Bible. We can say that we honor the Bible all we want. But until we respect it enough to where we give it authority over us and allow it to guide us, then our words really don't mean much. I want to read you some verses here, and I might get a little excited. That's okay, right? John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 1 John 2, 3, by this we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 2 John 1, 6, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. And James 1.21, the brother of Jesus writes this, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. What is God saying to us? He doesn't just want talk. He doesn't just want talk. He wants action. God wants more than words, more than belief. God wants action, which brings us to the, to the last conviction that the, the church had, the one that we'll talk about today, the last one we'll talk about. They were committed to action. They were committed to action. I'm not sure who said this this quote, um, but it wasn't. I didn't come up with it, so I'll just give it to you. I think it was Tim Keller. I could be wrong, but um, I remember it. It says this, one of the greatest hindrances of the church is not lack of faith, but lack of action. So convicting, isn't it? Not lack of faith, but lack of action. You ever wondered why Jesus chose Peter? We look at Peter and we're like, man, that guy goofed up so many times. You know, we really relate to him. But you ever wonder why Jesus chose him? Why? Peter was a man of action. Just go back and read what he did. He wasn't one to sit back and not do anything, was he? You see, the same behaviors that we see early on in Peter's life are the same behaviors and characteristics that the Lord wanted to build his church on. He was zealous. You want to know another guy that was the same way? Paul. The Apostle Paul. A man of action. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of disciples that Jesus chose in the twelve that they had zealots after their name. What's a zealot? Anyway, it's a person who doesn't just talk, but acts. But acts. That's, what, are we, what book are we reading from? Acts. That's why Acts is called Acts, because it's based upon the actions of the early church, the actions of people. We are reading about that. 
And so my question to us is, are we acting? Let me show you this. Verse 23. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. You know, they just didn't stand around and say, what are we going to do? What do we do now? All right, let's take a break. All right. They, they were so ready to act that instead of nominating one, they nominated two. <laughs> you know, they doubly obeyed. They doubly acted there. Verse 26. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. And so he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, how many of y'all gamble? Raise your hand. I'd be willing to bet some of you do. So they nominate, look, this is what they did. There were some qualifications there. You know, you had to be, you had to know Jesus, had to be a witness of his resurrection um, and, and things like that. So they, they nominated two men. And then what did they do? Cast lots, right? I mean, it was a cultural thing to them. They, they drew straws, paper rock sandals. They, all right, I'll move on. First service laughed. Y'all have no sense of humor. And, and we read this, we read this, and, and we know what they did seems small. It may be insignificant, and we're like, oh, big deal. Let me, t- let me tell you, hey, let me drop the mic here, figuratively speaking. There's no such thing as small obedience to the Lord. Even small things are big to God when you're acting in faith in obedience to him. Jesus actually said this in Matthew 25. You have been faithful in small things. Therefore, I will put you in charge of many things. You see? It's all big to the Lord. It's all big to him. And this sets the stage for the rest of Acts. This one little thing is what catapults them to spread the gospel all over the world. You know, God honors that. God honored that faithfulness. They had faith in God, but they also knew that God wanted them to act. You know, many times God doesn't give us all the details. I'm a detail person. I have to have, I have, to have a lot of details before I act. That's just kind of the way I'm wired. Maybe you're, maybe you're like that. God doesn't always give us those, though. So here's what I know. There's a time to wait, like we, we saw last week. Wait, wait in Jerusalem on the Holy Spirit. And then there's a time to act. And we need to know the difference between the two. You might say, how do you know? The first two convictions we talked about, they were persistent in prayer, and they were guided by God's word then you know how to act. You, you get those two things, you get those two first things in order, you'll know. You'll know. That's good for us. The early church is known for a lot of things, and I want to close here. But their core convictions are this, prayer, God's word, and action. In action. And listen, through those three things, they 
changed the world. The formula is simple, and there's nothing wrong with it. We need to get back to that because God's not done changing the world. You know what I see when I turn on the TV is a world that needs God, a world that needs change. And we are the ones that God wants to do it. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? And be honest with yourself. Maybe you need to pray more. Take prayer seriously. Look, that is a struggle even for me. Are we, are you persistent in prayer? Maybe, maybe, maybe you need to do this. Blow the dust off your Bible. And and I'm, I'm okay with you reading it on, you know, online, on your phone, whatever. What I'm saying is, take, maybe you need to take this a little more seriously. Maybe, maybe your family needs to know that you take this seriously. Maybe those that you work with need to know how you feel about this, about God's Word. Maybe you need to start putting God's Word into practice. Let me just challenge you with this. What is that one small thing, that one thing that you think is insignificant and unimportant, but you keep putting it off? You know God wants you to do it, but you think it's so small that you don't have to or you don't need to. Be faithful in small things. God will bless you and put you in charge of many things. That's the words of Christ. That's my prayer for us today. Whatever the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart, I pray that you would obey him because that is the voice of God. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Father, help us to understand that the early church had core convictions, things that they saw as important. Father, may we be people of prayer. May that be what we are known for, not only as a church, but as individuals. To know that we have that dependence upon you, that connection with you to where it's not something we do, but it's it's a part of something we are. Father, may we be guided by your word, and that begins with how we see your word. Is it your word? Does it have authority? Do we see it as important, or do we see it as optional? And Father, then allow us, may we, may we allow it to guide us. May we allow it to influence our lives to the point to where we act. Father, we're here for a reason, and you want us to be people of action. There's a whole world out there that needs to know about you. Help us to do that. We are thankful. We are so thankful that you acted for us. You sent Jesus to die for us. Father, I pray for those today that are lost, that they would come to know you, that they would place their faith in you, that they would realize that what you did on the cross was for them to pay for their sin, to bury their past, to give them a new life. I pray that they would place their faith in you today and not wait another moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, look, we're going to end the service now. I just want to say thank you.